From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. I'm Ethan. Also, Ethan is here. Hi. This is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. We've got to think of something to say. Well, I mean, it used to be according to our mothers, but no, apparently Brian hates his mom. So I definitely do not hate my mom. She is a nice lady. I love my mother. Sorry, Renee. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that's a weird thing to call your mom, but before we get too Renee? deep here, <laughs> so before we get too deep here, I'm going to give a shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Joining the AHA will give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furrow link above our homepage and join today. Also, I would like to give a massive shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Devin Stinson, and Tyler Romanski. If you'd like to be as awesome as our patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash blindedstudios and become a patron today. Brian. Yeah. In the world of beer. In a world. What have you been up to in the last week? You know, uh, drinking as much light beer as possible you know i i've seen that trend um not just among us in the studio who have adopted modello as a lifestyle oh. but oh. Uh, <laughs> but just kind of in the beer world as general uh like in general it's be like light beer has kind of become like the thing i see people reaching for a lot more do you know do you have a theory as to why I can, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Because I, I can go to the disc golf course and have like five beers in my backpack and not walk off the course stumbling around. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's what I was doing today. I've shot 36 holes today and drank four beers. See, I'm like the opposite. I have been just like going home, having like one or two really big beers. Uh, and that's always fun too. That's, that's been my game. Yeah. We have the fifth triple ro- yeah, rolling around. Where I've gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that beer is it's stupid. It's incredible. I but uh, I have one and I won't drive anywhere. Yeah, like it's, it's, I need a train. Yeah, we, <laughs> I had, we'll get into public transportation later, but uh, <laughs> we had a four pack at my house and I drank three of them over the course of an evening mm. to an afternoon. And that ended up being not the best. Did you, were you able to talk? Yeah. Well, I got up and, and then. <laughs> Yeah, the ne- and I was telling my Jenny about it, and I was like, "Oh, this will knock you on your ass, you know. Like if you <laughs> if you've had some wine, maybe don't." He got Forrest Gumped, is what he's saying. Yeah, he's just going Jenny. And then that, <laughs> that, that fourth one, Jenny drank, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you weren't kidding. I had, I had we had a, we split this." Bottle of that Snoop Dogg 19 Crimes wine, which I thought was really Wait, good. Wait, Snoop Dogg has a 19 Crimes? Yeah. What? I haven't had that one. The cork has like an outline of Snoop Dogg on it. It's pretty cool. What? Yeah. Well, now I want this. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's good wine, too. Like all this like 19, 19 Crimes, crimes wine yeah. is really good. But we're on a homebrew show. So yeah, that's right. We should for, talk for, about beer. For beer. And anyway, homebrew wine. Uh, so, yeah. So we had... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Bjorn, we're switching gears, bud. Oh, we, we've yeast. actually had <laughs> uh, we've had a couple of wine episodes because uh, one of our well, listeners been was interesting. Yeah, was uh, started started brewing wine, and we had him on, and he cool. was my buddy's just starting to grow some grapes. Oh, oh I have feet. I could help. We should uh, reach out to Scott and Rajek and <laughs> get him on too. Like that'd be a thing. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so Jenny had uh, one of those ten uh, percent pineapple bomb fifth triple beers that we have, and. Uh, that's that sounds yeah. nice. Pineapple armpits. Ethan. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Ethan, Ethan what are you been up to, man? Uh, I mean, besides drinking uh, Fifth Triple, uh, um, yeah, quite a bit actually. Um, really enjoying just brewing in general, but really getting back into that mindset of making beers and really, I mean. Tis the season for multi beers, and oh, yeah, that yeah. is my jam. Like playing with different malts, that's that's where it's at. Like brewing with I, uh, brown ale, stouts, porters, like that's where I like to be. And just having the ability to, I don't know, give that different flavor profile and just play with different caramel malts different chocolate malts and go from coffee to caramel to chocolate to, I mean, just a straight, <laughs> like, sharp acrid. Like, it is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, do you guys have any, like, big malty beers coming down the pipeline? Or uh, We're doing Big Mix Coffee Stout coming out soon. Um, uh, Paul and Babe's Breakfast Paul Ale. Paul and Babe's Breakfast Ale. Uh, I forget about that one. That one, that one is so yeah. It's 7.5%, and it, it's, it was like, hey, we want to make a beer that has maple syrup, blueberry, coffee, like, yeah. and a little bit of, you know, kind of pancakey with the malt. And so yeah. we literally, Justin was like, we want to make the blah, 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 this kind of beer. And so we built... And, you know, and that's fine. Taking, taking, I think taking more of a culinary approach to making a beer is why we ended up with those um, slushy milkshake, those goddamn pastry stout, pastry stout, like those that I kind of thing. I mean, what what are you it gonna happens. do? I'm a big man. I like I I grew up cooking. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I made my first spaghetti and meatballs when I was in third grade. Like that's how it just goes. Like <laughs> <laughs> like. I remember it. I, I remember back in the day. No. I remember my <laughs> You got the skitty? Yeah. You got, you got the, the meatballs. You got the meatballs. <laughs> you put it in there. And yeah. uh, anyway. This is going to be a fun episode. This is going to be a great episode. It's going to be really good, guys. We're going to have a good time. But we like, have fun here. If you can if you can bake something, if you can bake a pie, like, and just, or, I mean, even just eat a pie, I guess, like... Yeah. Just imagine those flavors and try to put them into your beer. Like, just start eating malts. Like, go to Northern Brewer and yeah. just, I mean, COVID probably doesn't help this, but like, I start w- picking out malts and eating them. Yeah. Yeah. I would uh, definitely <laughs> this is recommend. This during COVID. Huh? It is. I would recommend uh, ch- chewing on, on your malt, but I would. Absolutely. I would not. However, recommend chewing on hops because you'll taste them for like a week. Oh, uh, hops are the yeah, worst. Yeah, no, no. Well, and also you don't get the flavor of the hops if no. you chew on them. Well, this you is just why I like brewing multi beers. T- yeah. I can t- understand them right away. Take like, like a few ounce, like an ounce is a good place to start an ounce or two. 
and throw one hot pellet into like a light beer. And right. Well, I mean, kind if breweries really wanted to train people on how to taste beer instead of popcorn, they just put up, uh, you know, little bowls of malt and you can munch on that. And oh, I'm so glad we don't have popcorn in the brewery <laughs> anymore. <laughs> do, you, we could, do you remember that? When we, Dude, we could easily put out malt. <laughs> there was, there so was many popcorn samples. everywhere. <laughs> it was, it, we would, it, you would find a popcorn kernel like all the way in the back of the brewery, all the way in the cooler. My breakfast every morning is malt because it's just still sitting there, so <laughs> I just God. eat it. Yeah. <laughs> he, <does. laughs> I, he gets to the brewery before I do, so I don't know what he does, but I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of he's full of shit right now. So whatever. I'm just I'm just picturing he gets like a pint glass half full of beer and just puts the rest malt in and eats it with a spoon like cereal. It's it's oatmeal. <laughs> <sighs> you gotta warm the beer up first. That's the key. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, let's see. Beer related uh, for me, not much. Uh, we went down to the garage before. Uh, yeah, before yes. the thing. Uh, I had garage. Swinging Bridges' new um, hazy IPA. Yeah, which had for uh, for locals in the area, it tasted very reminiscent of like early pseudo sue. Is kind of what Absolutely. we talked about. The second you said pseudo sue, I was like, holy. Holy yeah, God, that it is was, like... <laughs> it was, that was right where it was. Very reminiscent. Um, and then you had their new Amber. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was, I mean, very par for the course. Um, the, wait, whose Amber was uh, it? The Garage. Uh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah, on the sign it said Cedar Street Amber Ale, and I was yeah. like, what is Cedar Street? Um, <laughs> but that's just the beyond, name of it. Yeah, beyond this, I had actually heard someone was talking about how that's pretty damn good. Yeah, nice, no, I would nice recommend and clean. it. Um, nice clean air. Yeah, no, uh, so. yeah, no. The garages, uh, their beers are killing and it right now. What, like the garage, we should probably provide context. The garage is uh, a bike shop that also happens to have a little uh, brewery. brewery slash tap room. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You can watch a guy wrench on a bike. Um, Honestly, the bar. S- their brewing system is super cool. Uh, they bought it out of what Canada or something? Yeah. Um, what was the manufacturer? Yeah. I didn't. I have never looked. Well, at it. so I, I know they listen. Was it to this episode okay. or to this show? Oh. And so I, I keep I keep saying you <laughs> to know, this specific episode. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably to this episode, but they listen to the show. I'm like, yeah, you should you Hi, should Alice. come on down, no. come on down. Yeah, every down. Sunday at three thirty. Yeah. Or if you can convince us to only do one show, we'll hang out and drink beer at the garage and tell the show. Which is there what we is did. that. We have done that more times than not, and we really, really like, enjoyed we, this day. Uh, <laughs> it's been yeah. a good day. We really, really like you, the garage. So come on down to the studio. Um, but yeah, had had definitely heard that their amber was was where it's at. And I enjoyed it. Was it a specific mechanical, or was it? Uh, do you remember the brewing system? Uh, a couple. It's, it, I mean, it it is a. It's a ferment in place. Right? Yeah, it is no literally. Way. Yeah, like I really need to go pay. I, I, mash, boil, brew just, all in one spot. We're, we're just kind of like in and out Man. every time we yep. go there. I haven't really had a yeah. chance to talk they, to They anybody. have two vessels, and that is the two vessels they ferment in. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, but yeah, also it's, brewing. Yeah, it's basically large brew in a bag, um, and then I they ferment that, in the same thing. They were pulling a. a yeah, they yep. got the pulley system. Brewing the bag out, when and they we were just there and then time. after they're done boiling, they just clamp it down. And then fermenting it. It's really neat. It's super cool. Yeah. And I mean, it limits you, but like, who cares? Because you can put guest taps on and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, should we uh, should we continue book club? Let's try to get through this. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to try. We're going to get through oh. it. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So you say. Right. All right. So uh, we, are, we are continuing 
We are continuing our discussion about Scott Janish's book, uh, The New IPA, a Scientific Guide to Hop, and Aro- uh, Hop Aroma and Flavor. Uh, we are now on Chapter 8. This is a self-published book also. So if you are looking for it, it is distributed through Amazon. I'm not sure if there are any other channels. Uh, the, uh, the Brewers Association. BA. He also yeah. has scottjanish.com, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, uh, which Bjorn just sent me, and he apparently had a new post um, about uh, hop oils and testing for different hop oils, which sounded really interesting. So mm-hmm. uh, I have to get into that. But anyway, so we're talking about dry hopping and bitterness. Uh, mostly what we're talking about today are, whew, and forgive me for this. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> humulinones? Humulinones? Humulinones. 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 Humil, humil, mule. Humulinone. Humulinones. God, no, I can't do it. You know a guy named Hugh. He has a mule. I practiced this a bunch this morning. I I was practicing (laughs) all week, and I can't do it on air. Okay, but what are we're 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 gonna talk about humus? They okay. So these are the three alpha acids in hops that contribute to the beer bitterness. And they are cohumulone, humulone, and adhumulone. So when these are boiled, they isomerize. Now, what that basically means is that we're separating the oil from the vegetal matter. And this isomerized stuff is what, when we have a... This is kind of why we put uh, beer into brown bottles or keep it, you know, out of the blue light spectrum. Because this specific uh, set of acids are what... Uh, are going to skunk that beer uh, if it's in green or clear, and there are, in fact, isomerized hops in there. So Yeah, yeah. so, well... These so, are the major contributors of bitterness, uh, and then specifically these three acids isomerized into six iso acids, which I'm not going to name them all, um, uh, yeah, unless you but want so, to. Well, no, and so, uh, yeah, so the humulones, um, so the three alpha acids are not the humulones. The humulones are the oxidized alpha acids. Ah, uh, there you go, yes. Yeah, um, yeah so they... they um, so... The, the three alpha acids uh, that contribute to beer are the cohumulone, oh, humulone, yeah, yeah, and yeah. adhumulone. What we're talking about, the, the humulinones, uh, which are um, the oxidized versions okay. of the humulones. Got it. So then on the on the flip side, the oxidized beta acids are hu- hulupones, hulupones. Whatever. We'll get to that another time. Yep. Um, And so that's kind of what we're talking about here. So these are the uh, the oxidized alpha acids that are 66% as bitter as the iso alpha acids, which which is kind of interesting. So if you're looking at like the acids, um, and we're going to get into this about why IBUs can be misleading, but um, they all of these acids contribute a different level of bitterness in the beer. So we're not just like so usually, like, we're just talking about, like, isomerized alpha acids, which is our IBUs. Um, and, like, we're like, oh, that's what makes the beer bitter. Yes and no. There's other acids in here that are contributing to that bitterness. It's always yes and no with this. Yeah, <laughs> IBUs have been one of those things where it's like, for a while now, we've known they're not accurate. Um, more especially about per- when the, bitterness. like, new IPAs have come around. Um, well, specifically for the fact that most of the new IPA, which is kind of what we're talking about here, absolutely. is is adding hops after flame out. In which absolutely. case, we don't calculate IBU. Yeah, so you're getting what thirty three percent less mm-hmm. of that acid, and I mean you are just cutting the bitterness, but in a way keeping it. Uh, <laughs> right. If that makes so sense. Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very yes and no uh, thing. 
And it's something, uh, reading this chapter was actually a big kind of mind blower, but also like, it's something that like, it reinforced, you know, you like as brewers, we've known this, like, we're like, we know what's going on. We know, well, we don't know what's going on, but we know it's happening. We know that the bitterness isn't getting there and we didn't know why. And reading it, it finally put reasoning to that and it helped a ton and it's like the second you read it, it's like, boom. Like, I get it. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> everything kind of clicked into place. Yeah. 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 It was well, the missing puzzle piece. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. A lot of this book has been this way where mm. it takes common knowledge and either yeah. flips it on its head or reinforces it in a way that you didn't quite expect. Yeah. Kind of finally puts science to it. Yeah, right? Like, instead of <laughs> just, you, like, science. we've always done this this way, so this is how we do it. Like, oh, wait, no, there's a reason for that. <laughs> and now we know what that is. Yeah. Um, all right, so the other, uh, all right, so that that's that's what uh, humilinones are, and that's kind of what we're really talking about throughout this. Um, so they're not isomerizable. They're very polar. Um, so, like, if you boiled them, they would go away. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why we only talk about them in dry hopping. Yeah. Um, and then usually late stage dry hopping because early stages you have biotransformation, which can isomerize when we get that to, uh, in a little bit. Um, but also like those polarized uh, acids can be driven off um, by the vigorous fermentation. Uh, so let's talk about humulone, uh, humulinone uh, concentration in hops. Humulinone. I'm, Damn I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to get there. Humulinones. <laughs> Humulinones. 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 Yeah. Uh, we're going to get there. It's like, I don't know, these sciencey words, they're hard. Um, so, like, concentration-wise, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about pelletized hops here um, because we've taken all the plant matter away. Um, so, baled hops contain fewer uh, humulinones uh, than pelletized, about uh, 0.3% for baled to approximately uh, 0.5% or more with pellets, uh, because only about 10 to 20% of the lupulin glands are broken when baling hops, in stark, can- in stark contrast to pelletized hops, where 100% of the lupulin glands are broken down because we're macerating the shit out of the hops. Like, that's just what happens maceration is the perfect word <laughs> like it's just <laughs> completely destroying yeah like um and so and yeah dry hopping is where the humulino- humulinones um uh play the biggest role in impacting uh bitterness uh where we just kind of talked about like hot side not so much because it's all driven off um, so we're going to kind of skip over some of this concentration stuff because it's not super important. What is important, and the biggest takeaway for me from this, is how we need to get away from IBU testing and get into HPLC testing, which stands for, I need to look it up uh, again. High Performance Liquid Chromatography. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Ethan, you want to talk about HP, HPLC for us? Um, I've never done it. I've done gas chromatography um in my career but never hplc so i can't speak to the actual process of it but yeah you're pretty much just putting this liquid in you're separating the molecules and you're able to actually measure out each individual um i guess acid so you can measure out your uh, alpha acids you can measure out your iso alpha acids and you can measure out your uh humulinones um how did he get it 
because I've been practicing all morning <laughs> since 4 a.m. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I have not been up I, since 4 I, I, I ran into Ethan at the garage, and he was just saying, email it on under his breath constantly. Um, yeah, so I, IBUs, uh, international bittering units, yeah. right? Is is that, that's, all right, um, has been our thing for 50 years. We've been yeah. using IBUs. And it's just so not accurate because it only measures it the alpha acids. It did work for a while, and especially with, like, loggers and things like that. Well, like, you're it, not dry hop. Like, the idea behind it yeah. was to give the consumer an idea of how bitter the beer would be. Absolutely. Um, but now we have zero IBU IPAs. Yeah. Um, I I think one of the first times I kind of ran into this, um, I was talking to a guy at Badger Hill, and they came out with a double IPA and they're like, we didn't put any hops into the boil. And it just kind of like, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I remember hearing about that. The zero, my, yeah. one of one of my, the owners at the a few breweries ago was like, yeah, zero IBU IPA. And I'm like, how was what? That's yeah. not what? Like, but like it, it still worked and it still yeah. cut the sweetness and yeah. still gave you all the flavors. And so like, like I said, we knew something was going on, um, and now we can kind of calculate that. And one of the things that HPLC does is it allows you to get those uh, actual quantities of your IFA or iso alpha uh, acids and your humulinones and your alpha acids, and then you can use a calculation to go after that and it can give you your calculated sensory bitterness and yeah that's what Ka- that, scott was uh calling it and that makes way more sense like so um when we're talking ibus there is i guess the standard takeaway um when we're talking ibus that the human palate cannot taste more than what a hundred something like that yeah, yeah it's like a hundred pl- somewhere in there right it's, it might um, be 120 but at that point like it doesn't matter. like, But, like, the sensory bitterness is all that matters. Like, yeah. um, re- like remember, like, the IBU race of, like, the 2000s? Yeah. <laughs> it was almost a space race, but well, it was it less was, angry. Right? I yeah. mean, I don't know. It got pretty angry. Like, Touche. <laughs> <laughs> more angry? It got, it got super, like, boring after a while. Yeah. But, like, it, they're like, ooh, we got, we got more IBUs than you got IBUs. 2,000 IBUs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I can strip paint with this one. Cool. Like, Put 100 pounds of hops in five <laughs> barrels. <laughs> and now we know, oh, yeah, no, that's just hop creep now. Like, yeah. And we'll get to that next week. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's like this calculated sensory bitterness makes a lot more sense, especially when we're talking this late stage hopping. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that kind of, uh, I mean, he kind of goes, Scott goes into this in the book, uh, as well with hop storage and things like that. Like you need to store your hops right, um, to get these specific, uh, I guess chemicals. Yeah, because uh, they're they're polarizing. Yeah, or, or they're, they're they're highly polarized uh, chemicals, yeah. so they're they're volatile. Yeah, so keep them cool. Um, you know that sixty five degree range is still a little too high. Like, definitely get them into a fridge if you can. If not, a freezer. Um, I would recommend freezing them for sure. Keep them away from oxygen. Um, your alpha acids and your isoalpha. Uh, believe it's your iso-alpha acids are going to oxidize into 
your uh, cohumulon or your humulinones. Sorry. Not yeah, yeah, and that's um, we'll we'll get to that a little bit uh, later here. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about dry hopping and pulling away from the IBUs, which I thought was really oh, yeah. interesting. No, I forgot about that. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, but first, let's talk about pH, dry hopping, and pH. Yeah, I think is the, is the next big thing here. And you had a really interesting uh, insight into the studies that they. Yeah, um, that that they pushed in here. So he gave two, or he gave one study as kind of an example. Yeah, UW Stout, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was UW Stout, um, and they they were talking about how dry hopping leads to an increase in pH. Yeah. Um, you kind of want to talk about what you your thoughts on this? Yeah. So in the book, they discussed how I believe at like a sixty to sixty five degree temperature they found that the dry hopping uh, left a 4.0 uh, pH, but when they dry hopped at... What 39. Was it? 30, yeah, I was going to say 30 to 40 degrees. Um, they found a, what, 4.05? Uh, yep. Um, but my biggest concern with that was their actual methods, um, whether or not they actually measured at... So if they pulled the sample from the 39-degree tank and then measured the pH, and then pulled the sample from the 65 or whatever degree tank. 66. 66? Yep. Uh, degree or tank. Or 19C. Yeah. Um, that actual temperature can play a giant part in the pH you're measuring. So that 0.05 could be the actual like measure of error. Right. Well, and so that's, that's kind of what, uh, that's actually what this uh, paragraph is about. Yeah. Uh, was so. was the yeah was the because uh, yeah he was like the temperature at which dry hop is performed will have an impact on the pH adjustment but just barely because yes. that's the measurement of the pH yes so like you're going to see a different pH whether or not what temperature you're actually measuring at so yeah. um it I don't believe it changes the pH whether or not you're dry hopping at whatever, but you might change the actual flavor. Yeah. Um, um, we've found that out at the brewery. Um, and actually, when we've used even, like, lime zest or just, like, lime something dehydrated sli- lime. slightly acidic. Yeah. Um, we... It took a day to extract the same amount at... So at 32 degrees, we extracted about the same amount of flavor that we did at 60 degrees when we put in the same amount of lime zest. Um, and it just kind of blew our minds, actually. We thought it would take a lot longer. Uh, at the lower temp? At the lower temperature. Um, but just because of the way the pH kind of shifted, yeah, it was able to extract it more. That's interesting. So, yeah, it was very kind of, yeah. <laughs> One of those things that makes you go, hmm. That, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> Tasted it the next day, and I was like, that, that is, wow, we're there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so bes- besides the temperature, uh, the amount that you dry hop can affect your pH. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so in here, uh, the study that they talk about um, after dry hopping is determined the pH of beer increases with dry hopping amounts. Specifically, a pH of 0.14 units per pound of hop pellets can be expected. So in homebrew terms, if you dry hop with 142 grams, you can see an increase of pH of 0.28, or about like a quarter of a point, which is quite a bit Absolutely. when you're talking pH. Oh, yeah. Um, and so 
here here's what here's not or I guess what I'm trying to understand. So if an increase in pH that means we're we're getting away for, or we're going more basic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because we we actually had this discussion off air earlier today when we were talking about increasing um, acidity, which is lowering pH. But we were talking about them like different different words using the same but meaning the same thing. <laughs> argue greeing. We were argue greeing earlier. Always. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fantastic. Um, so kind of keep that in mind. So like the more the more you dry hop, the more or the the more you're changing the pH, which is gonna change the overall flavor of the beer, even beyond what you're adding with the hops. Because if you if you have two beers at different pHs, those beers are gonna taste very different. Yes, um, absolutely. We so yeah, like we talked um, when so Katie, who is usually on the show, um, when we. When she first joined, I did not have time to kind of look at this data and I should say joined Hop and Barrel. Um, and we were definitely not using enough acidulated malt. Um, when she joined in, she recognized that our pHs weren't being hit in our boils and that we were too high. And we were using just a calculator. Um, yes, we were taking the, you know, data and whatever, but. Sometimes you just don't have time to look or think about it. And when she fi- when she came on, she recognized that RPH was too high, and we ended up bringing it down. And it gives this sort of brightness to the beer. And it's it might not I, maybe it is extracting more from the hops, but it is just giving so much more and allowing the hops to just complement the beer so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be able to do some uh, HL. Uh, what is that? HPLC. HPLC. I was gonna say HLPC, but uh, <laughs> um, I would love to be able to do that someday and figure out if we are pulling more from it. Um, I think yes, but <laughs> I absolutely. <laughs> and it's just kind of one of those things where, even like enzymes, they just have to have that perfect temperature. They have yeah. to have that perfect. Uh, pH mm-hmm. to bring out what they need. Yeah, pH makes a work. big difference. It, in it's a lot it's, of it's crazy how much yeah. it does, and it's it's one of those things that like beginning homebrewers, it's not a hard thing to measure. No, like pH meters are super cheap, and it's not a hard thing to change, and it can make a drastic difference in yeah. your beer. I think it's almost as important as water. Um, I bought a pH meter before I ever started testing my water. I will go out there and say I, that it was a, I believe Milwaukee brand and just made sure I had that. I had my things for calibrating it and I had my electro storage solution yep. and buffer, buffer solution for calibrating and, and then your, your storage, storage solution. solution. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about the, one of the more interesting things in this chapter. I mean, all of this is interesting, but let's talk about how dry hopping can reduce your bitterness, <laughs> like or I guess reduce your IBUs, but not necessarily your perceived bitterness. Yeah, which is insane to me. So basically, what's happening here is, um, as as you as you um, add your dry hops, you're adding oxygen, right? There's just no way around it. No yeah. matter what you do, you're adding oxygen. Oxygen is going to cause 
things to happen because that's what it does. Um, and one of those things is it's going to oxidize um, your isoalpha acids into humulones or humulinones, which are uh, 66% um, as bitter as your isoalpha acid. So as you're losing those isos, you're losing bitterness, but you're gaining other flavors. Yes, but you're also like continuing to still have... You're not losing all the bitterness. You're not losing all the bitterness. No. You're losing some, and that's yes. getting converted into other flavors. And then, so your 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 alpha your IBUs are dropping, but your bitterness is it's not it's not staying the same. But it's it's just I mean it's a thirty three percent decrease. Yep. But um, uh, but if yeah. you looked at if you did an IPU or an IBU calculation, it would be a much higher because that's only Absolutely. looking at the ISO. Yeah, but it's still perceiving it. You're still going to perceive it very. I shouldn't say very bitter, but somewhat bitter, and you're still going to get that. I don't know, like the amount of flavor you get out of humulinones is insane. And honestly, reading this chapter made me wonder, like should we be oxidizing some of our hops before dry hopping sometimes? Oh, yeah, that's a, that, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, How is that going? To, to going convert some f- of those alpha acids into humulones. Yeah. Right. Or humulinones. But before. you decrease your bitterness when you're dry hopping, but you're increasing the flavor of those. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I know we've gotten boxes in from Mighty Axe Hops, and some of them, like, specifically Centennial, I remember... We've had ones that say Centennial on it, and then we have ones that say Dry Hop Centennial. And I've always wondered why. And when I read this chapter, I'm like, I, it's made me wonder. And if they're if they're oxidized Centennial, yes. and, and those I'm, are your Dry Hop Centennial. Absolutely. And so it's I'm my more, plan is to reach out to them and oh, sure. talk to them about that. I think yeah. it's more of a matter of when when they were picked versus... Um, when they were packaged? When No, just when they were picked, period. If they're if, early, if if you yeah. say there are five days, a five day window or something like right. that, like day day one versus day five is going to be very different. Yeah, but that might be another thing too. So I, yeah. you know, can't hurt to ask. All right, um, and then like this this uh, this chapter uh, kind of ends out with a dry hop bitterness experiment, uh, which we're not going to go too into. Um, it's kind of interesting. Basically, he's brewing a zero IPU uh, IBU beer um, to prove that IBUs can still come from dry hopping because there is some alpha acid conversion into isos even at fermentation temps. It's just super low. Yeah. Um, so he did. Uh, let's. Uh, the grist was fifty percent two row, twenty five percent organic flaked, twenty five percent malted wheat, um, and then acidulated malt as needed. Uh, he did a um, RVA Manchester Ale yeast, which I have not heard of. Uh, I'm assuming since it's an English ale yeast, it's probably <laughs> uh, low flock. Low flock, yeah. No, for, oh, and this is a hazy IPA. Fruit, book, fruity so, yeah. for a hazy IPA. Yeah. Um, and then the dry hop schedule was 28 grams each of Citra and Amarillo um, added to the fermenter. Uh, 56 grams of Citra and 56 grams Amarillo added at day four and 56 grams of Citra and 56 grams of Amarillo added to the serving keg, left at room temperature overnight and into the fridge the following day. Um, And then he sent a sample of this off to a lab. 
Um, and he got 24.3 ppm uh, humilinions, uh, or 2.7 ppm isoalpha acids. And remember, this is no boil. So yeah. the fact that there's iso in there yeah. completely flies in the face of traditional brewing knowledge, which it needs to be over 170 degrees for for those to isomerize. Yeah. Um, and then 71.5 ppm of alpha acids and 10.7 ppm beta. Um, and then 6.6 UL per liter of mercine. I don't remember what UL is, but... Uh, microliters. Microliters, okay. Um, microliters per liter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, sense. yeah, so then he calculated the, sensor, uh, the sensory bitterness, and it was... Uh, the IV test came back with a bitterness level of 76.9, um, but it had zero hops on the hot side. So you got 76 IBUs out of a, like, out of no yeah. hot side. Well, and the insane thing is, like, his, what, calculator bitterness was 26-ish? Yep. Um, and just, I don't know. I'd, I Honestly, I'd love to try the beer. Um, and oh, he said it wasn't good. <laughs> he very yeah definitely he, he seems like this yeah. was not a good beer but like still like I still want to try that um I wish he would have tr- like done a control too though oh yeah I when, wish when he would have done one regularly. where he did better regularly yep. um I know you kind of went into it with uh, uh, like earlier where he was like I he had a con- kind of a control um but it wasn't with the same hops um or same malt build yep. Um, and kind of what he, yeah, what he came out of this was. But intense, I would love to see that difference yeah. in IBUs, actually. Well, so and like he he came out of this looking at the IBU, but what he really found was that um, intense dry hopping rates combined with a heavy protein and beta glucan grist mm-hmm. um, can produce beers with high mercine and polyphenol levels. And those mercine comes off so, I mean, just like in your face, yeah, like, just punches you. Uh, which can mask all of the fruity flavors that you yeah. want from the hops. Absolutely. So you got to be a little careful with that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the other takeaway from the last chapter was do it in smaller amounts over longer periods of time. Yeah, yeah and he did two two big dry hops. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. 56, or I guess it's 112 grams mm-hmm. for each yeah. each one, and that's quite I a mean, big I mean, that right there is going to mess with your extraction rate anyway on the hops, so... He's just suggest dialing back protein levels, particularly malted proteins, yeah. um, and then dry hop amounts if your hazy IPAs are too green or aggressive. Uh, so there's a few ways to reduce that, of course, like we just said. So yeah, and it, I mean, look up your mercy, like look up those levels. Yeah. Like it, they are generally available per hop, but like it does vary per where you're where you're growing it. it. Yeah, but generally you can get an idea. Um, uh, what range it's in. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a tough one. I've definitely made a spreadsheet of, like, everything, and I will <laughs> organize by mercy a lot yeah. of times. Uh, no, I mean, I, I love how how deep in the weeds you can get with, like, I mean, we've just been talking about hops for the past few months, and mm-hmm. you can get so deep in the weeds. And we're just talking about dry <laughs> hopping now. Like, that's a completely other aspect. That yeah. Hops, hops are insane, they're, and yeah, there's a th- lot they're still being studied to know. this day. Yeah, yeah. well, we spent so much time just studying malt. Yeah, 
And still, they don't know everything about that. I mean, it's, it's really like it depends on, well, I guess it depends on where you you, you grow it. Oh, yeah, that, that, that terroir, you know. Yeah. But that's the same thing with hops. Like, it depends on where it's grown. It depends on, it's like wine. It depends on what year it is. Like, go buy 2020 Californian wine. There's a giant fire right now. All those grapes are it's being smoky. stressed out. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be smoky. No, <laughs> it is. But it's not. Might not be smoky, but those grapes are getting stressed out. Like the stress on certain things, like stress on those hops in those droughted areas, makes them very unique. Makes them very just. They get the nutrients, and every other hop has died out, so they get all that the nutrients and grow like they actually are the best of the best. So and cascade grown domestically. In, yeah. It's like, insane. For example, like we, a lot of, a lot of our hops come from Michigan and they yeah. are also hops that are grown in the Pacific Northwest, but they taste different and completely different. Chinook in Michigan compared to Chinook in Oregon is totally different. Yeah. And that's why we like particularly have sort of just, drifted towards Michigan hops because they're you got that Midwest flavor. They're easy for us to get. And we, that's the flavor profile. We, we know them like, uh, prefer. So, yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, do you guys have any final takeaways that you want to talk about? No, I feel like that was pretty dense. (laughs) It was, it definitely was fine. Of course. I think, I think it was one of our better discussions. I really enjoyed it. Good. Anything you want to say, Ethan? Are you good? Um, I'm pretty good. Yeah. If anyone has questions, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, feel free to contact me. Uh, well, I mean, but. that's that's what the outro music's for, there, Ethan. Huh. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Uh, yeah. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, or you just want to talk to Ethan, I mean, <laughs> uh, you can shoot us an email and we'll get it over to him. Uh, <laughs> give you, you know, <laughs> give you some words of wisdom. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios. You can follow us on Twitter at blindnewstudios.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.